Hey everybody, welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. My name is Jeff. Grateful that you have tuned in for you first-time listeners. Um, we are just a group of people who um, are pursuing the Lord according to the best of our ability, according to what he has said in his word, and not adding, not deleting, not, not tweaking, not diluting, not bending it, just trying our very best to see what the Lord might do if we just fully committed and stayed that way to doing the Christian life his way. I say a lot about the local church in this podcast. I say a lot about individual uh, Christians and how we, as the followers of Jesus, um, have been invited to pursue the very best that he has to offer us. And I believe this personally, that when an individual Christian makes up his or her mind, that they're just going all in. And they're going to pursue the Lord and they're going to carry their cross and they're going to deny themselves. And if they need to, in any given season, enter into an intentional decrease of self so that the glory of Christ might increase. I just believe that like that's the best way to live. For me, doing things God's way um, doesn't frustrate me at all. It doesn't ruin my day. Um, A lot of people view, you know, Even the limitations or the boundaries that God sets on us as his children, they view that as chains, and I consider it wings. I don't consider it chains at all. I don't feel like anything that, uh, I think it was John, uh, Apostle John, I think 1 John said, the commandments of the Lord are not grievous. Like God doesn't set up parameters and boundaries, expectations, promises, prohibitions to ruin your day. He's not out to, you know, assign you to a miserable existence. Um, That's your flesh fighting the spirit, if you believe that. And a lot of people are hesitant to fully commit to Jesus because they just don't trust his heart. They don't trust the heart of the Father. They think, man, if I fully commit to Jesus Christ, I'm not going to have any fun. Well, the beauty of it is this, is that he redefines what is pleasure or fun, whatever you want to call it. He redefines it. He, He rewires your instincts to take deep pleasure in that which pleases him. And so um, it's, it's not a, you know, a, a yoke that is placed upon us to weigh us down and you know, deprive us of a happy life. If that is your experience with Christianity, then you're not doing it right. Um, the experience that we have been invited into with God is one of deep fellowship. It's one of um, everlasting pleasure. It is one of power and victory and wisdom, but it is all connected to denying self, denying the world, the world system, uh, going into daily combat with the enemy of your soul, Satan and his demons. And here's the part that people are losing their grip on. We're called to do it together. Like you are not a lone ranger. I know what the title of the podcast is, Mavericks and Misfits. And by nature, a maverick likes to do things on her own. And a misfit doesn't want to connect to people because he never felt like he belonged. And the point of the podcast is to call out to all of you who are mavericks and misfits and say, hey, there is a place for you. It's in the body of Christ. It's with others. And quite frankly, the maverick and the misfit uh, motif or paradigm 
is supposed to communicate to us that we are mavericks to an established religious system and we are misfits in all of the arenas that are attached to that religious system. Um, if you're a word and spirit Christian, you're a misfit in about 95% of churches because you will hold to the theology and the doctrine of the apostles. That's the written word. Yet you will also hold to the necessity of the Holy Spirit and all of his gifts. Right there, if you hold to those two things simultaneously, the authority of the word and the necessity of the spirit, you're going to be a misfit. You're not going to fit in in about 95% of churches. So what are you going to do? You're going to take your ball, go home. You're going to get three people to meet in your den and have a house church and hide. Or are you going to say, you know what? I don't fit in perfectly, but I'm going to commit relationally to a church that has um, at least the foundational opportunity for us to grow in both the word and the spirit. And I'm going to, I'm just going to commit. I'm going to do life with those people there. Um, may the Lord Jesus Christ send a wave of power and wisdom in the Holy Spirit to the church so that we stop church shopping. That is not of God. I actually have a point in my podcast today. I haven't even gotten close to it yet, but let me just go for a minute. The, the church shopping consumeristic, what's in it for me, my spouse, and my kids' view of local churchianity is from the pit. It's born of the flesh. It is far more like the world system. Now look, when you're going to buy a car, go shop for the one that has everything you want. Because when you're buying a car, you're, you're a consumer buying a good. But when you're trying to find a place to do life with other Christians, here's what you ought to be looking for. Do they hold to a theologically sound position that is based in the written word of God on all, all topics that pertain to the core of the Christian faith? Do they do that? Okay, if you say yes to that, then the question would be, do they allow for the reality of the Holy Spirit as an active part of the Godhead being a functional part of our daily life? Because if they say no to the Holy Spirit, that's probably not going to be the place for you, just as I would say, if they don't hold to sound theology, that's not the place for you. Now, there's different levels of both theology and commitment and doctrine and all of that in churches, and there's different levels of experience with the Holy Spirit. But if the doors are wide open for both of those things and the church can grow in that, that's a great start. And then from that standpoint, you want to ask questions not like, hey, what programs do you have? Not, not like, how long are your services? Not like, hey, what kind of music do y'all do? Or what Bible translation? Or are y'all contemporary or y'all traditional? That is shopping churches. What you ask is, is there a place for me to serve? How can I bring glory to God by giving of myself, my time, my finances, and my gifts and abilities? That's the, like, after you find out if they're sound theologically and they're open to the Holy Spirit, and I would probably add in there, is it a church that is rooted in prayer, not as a token side dish that, you know, is on their website somewhere, but are they fully committed to prayer? For me, those three things are non-negotiables. Does the church hold to the word of God? Does that church believe in the gifts and the active presence and empowerment of the Holy Spirit for ministry? And uh, thirdly, do they pray? Man, if, if you can find a church that does those three things, you have found a very good church, and your next question would be, how can I contribute? How can I help? How can I serve? If your next question is, 
all those things I mentioned earlier about what basically what's in it for you, your spouse and your family, what kind of programs do they have? Is it a super cool church or is it more of a traditional church? Is it loud? Is it soft? You've just become a consumer and that is foreign to the spirit of Jesus. And so think about those things. And let me happily tell you that really has nothing to do with what I want to talk about today. Um, I don't even know where that came from, man. I just, you know, when I open up the podcast, I just pray and I just like, Lord, lead me. And I have a topic and I'm usually a, a verse or two that I want to go through. But man, I just felt the Lord on that. I felt like that some of you guys um, are buying into the spirit of the age that is contaminating the church. That Christians are literally becoming um, poisoned intoxicated with the spirit of the age, which is so undeniably and unapologetically me centered that if you're not fighting that intentionally, it is getting in you. you you'll wake up one day and, and if, you, if you can live a full day and then lay your head down that night and retrace your steps that day. And you might be shocked to find out that you made most of the day about you, what you needed, what you wanted, how people were treating you, how people were helping you, how people didn't help you. And we are not to orbit around ourselves. That is the antithesis to what it means uh, to be a follower of Jesus. Like you're not the person around which everybody else and everything else needs to orbit. You're actually supposed to press in like the son of man and you serve others. You prefer others above yourself. And the only way you can do that is to make sure you're carrying a cross daily. Remember Jesus's invitation to come and be one of his. He said, if any man will follow me, First thing, deny yourself. Second thing, pick up your cross. Third thing, follow him daily. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower. Not having a fish on the back of your car. Not showing up once a week for a token appearance at a church service. Not writing a check. Not, um, you know, protesting every form of immorality in the culture while doing nothing, not lifting a finger to make a difference. That's not Christianity. So do with that whatever you want, because what I really want to talk to you today in my remaining time, just spent 10 minutes talking to you about something that I just felt like the Lord was pouring in. Some of you need to hear that. Like before I leave it, let me just say that was for some of you and you should know if that was for you because that was unscripted and unplanned. I just felt like the Lord just kind of took my tongue for a minute and said, tell them to stop operating with a consumer mindset when it comes to the kingdom. So I sat at my desk uh, at Antioch Outpost here in Bethlehem, Georgia. I'm recording here today. And um, I sat at my desk um, yesterday and I just started saying, Lord, um, I really want you to show me what you want me to teach through and preach on in the early part of the fall. Summers are always kind of chaotic and it's hard to get in rhythms in local churches and congregational life. And I spent this summer just kind of going from week to week saying, Lord, speak, show me what to teach. But I feel like um, a community of faith is better served when uh, we're dealing with a theme over a three to six week period. And we're addressing it scripturally and we're seeing what the Holy Spirit does um, in our services through the messaging. Um, I believe there needs to be preaching in churches and not just preaching off the cuff, but an intentional approach to um, kingdom themes and kingdom truths. 
And so as I sat yesterday, um, I was kind of surprised because I just kept hearing Nehemiah, Nehemiah, Nehemiah. When I hear something in my spirit, um, I've learned to pay attention and God is merciful to me because I always got something going on in my head. And when the Lord really wants to get my attention, he just will put it on repeat until I recognize, oh, this is the Lord. So I just kept hearing Nehemiah, Nehemiah. And, um, so I started reading through the book of Nehemiah and I really just felt like, oh yeah, the Lord wants me to take Antioch outposts through about six weeks of teachings from this beautiful book in the old Testament. And while I was, um, reading, I, I got to chapter six in the book of Nehemiah. And if you're not familiar with it, the first, you know, six chapters in Nehemiah are pretty powerful, especially if you are a Christian who wants to do something with her life. Um, you're a Christian man, maybe that doesn't want to slip into the abyss of men without a purpose. The book of Nehemiah will fire you up, but Nehemiah was sent by God back to Jerusalem after it had been destroyed. And when the captivity was ending, God called Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem and lead a building project so that the glory of God would begin to return to Jerusalem. The captivity was over. The people were going to be coming back soon. And God sent Nehemiah to lead a building project to build the wall surrounding the city. And so there, there was this mission from God that Nehemiah said yes to. And um, he went back down and some of the people in the territory will, were not happy about Jerusalem being reestablished for the glory of Yahweh. Matter of fact, it wasn't just that they weren't happy about it. They tried very hard to fight it. Two particular individuals, even their names sound like bad guys, Sanballat and Tobiah. And there was their sidekick named Geshem and really terrible names, but Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem, they were three bad dudes and Nehemiah is just down there. And I love his resolve. Nehemiah is, um, he's been accused. He's been fought. He's been hindered. Um, there's so much attack on him trying just to do the thing that God called him to do. And I began to think that some of you um, would benefit from just a little slice of the story. And so I'm going to read just a couple of verses out of chapter number six. Um, I always read out of the English Standard Version uh, on the podcast in case you ever wonder. And so I'm reading out of the ESV. And uh, this is what it said in Nehemiah 6.1. It says, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, the rest of our enemies, and we know where the trouble is about to come from. And the rest of our enemies heard that I, Nehemiah, had built the wall and there was no breach left in it. They sent to me saying, come, let us meet together at Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. And then Nehemiah adds, but they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop? And I leave it and come down to you. And they sent to me four times in this way. And I answered them in the same manner. So let me just read those four verses because the rest of the chapter is pretty cool too. But I just want to talk to you about this. I want you to put yourself in Nehemiah's sandals for a minute. I want you to be Nehemiah. And I'm going to ask you, is there something in your life, something in your heart, something in your spirit that God has placed there, a calling a burden, um, a summons. Maybe it's already a work that you've committed to. Maybe you've decided at some point in the past, this is what I want to do for the Lord in this season. And you're doing it. 
or maybe you're in that place where it's just kind of in the embryo form and it's just starting to, to develop inside of you. And, and you know, it's of the Lord and you're like, man, this is what I want to do for God, or this is what I am called to do for God. And you begin to do it. And in Nehemiah's case, he was making progress and, um, he's resolved, he's committed, he's equipped. He can do what God has sent him to do there in Jerusalem. But friends, I've got to give you something here that, um, we've got to get back in our, our DNA. We need these strands to build our spine up spiritually speaking. What am I talking about? When you say yes to God's assignment on your life as a Christian, I'm talking about after you've been saved, you're walking with the Lord. He puts a vision, a burden, a dream, a desire, a calling, whatever you want to describe it as. But you know in your knower that this is your why. This is why you are following Jesus. This is why you're living at this time. And it doesn't have to be big and dramatic and massive and, you know, Instagram worthy. It just needs to be yours. And we don't compare it to other people's callings. If you do that, you'll dwarf yourself. Oh my goodness, don't do that. Your calling is significant because it comes from him to you. So forget about what everybody else is called to do for this moment. I'm asking you, do you know what your assignment is in this season? So if you do, this is what we've got to get into our DNA. It will be fought. You're going to have opposition to the thing that God has given you. It's going to be fought. You can't be surprised by it. You can't pretend you didn't know ahead of time that this was so. I'm telling you right now, and some of you are right in the midst of it right now. You're just trying to serve God. You're just trying to live for Jesus. You're just trying to make a difference. You're just trying to obey the heavenly vision. You know, you're just doing what God's asked you to do and hell is fighting you. And sometimes friends, hell shows up in the form of a person, just like hell did with Nehemiah in the form of Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. I can't say their names without that voice. And so these three men have been a thorn in Nehemiah's flesh. And now the wall, I noticed the timing when they really ratcheted up their opposition. It's found there in verse one. He says, when our enemies heard that I had built the wall and there was no breach left in it. I don't have time to go into all the architectural thing, but Nehemiah is supposed to build the wall surrounding Jerusalem. They had built it up to a certain level. It wasn't as high as it was going to go, but it was on uh, around the circumference was around Jerusalem and there was no holes there. So Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem, they knew that the wall was going to be built and they're like, oh no, this, this ain't no joke. This, this man, Nehemiah, is, is really coming back, and he's trying to establish Jerusalem. And if Jerusalem gets established, that means Israel is going to get strengthened. That means their God is going to be glorified, and that is bad news for us because we're a bunch of pagans, and we have lived our entire life without Jerusalem being a factor. We know their history, and we know the great strength they had. We know that they imploded because of their idolatry. And so we kind of like it when Jerusalem ain't doing nothing. And now Nehemiah is coming back on a mission from God and they're seeing it happen. And when they see it happen, they're like, okay, we got to turn it up a notch. So these three jokers come and I like how they're doing it. They're doing it diplomatically, but Nehemiah is no sucker. He gets this. They say, Nehemiah, come and let us meet together at Hakathirim in the plain of Ono. And Nehemiah says, 
Yeah, that was their invitation, but they intended to do me harm. Don't miss that. I don't want to sound unnecessarily dramatic, but I don't want to soften this either. When you commit your life for the glory of God in your generation, the enemy will intend to do you harm. He won't just intend it. He'll strategize it. Paul would write later in the New Testament that we are not ignorant of Satan's schemes. And the word there indicates that Satan and the demonic realm have strategies. They have strategies for us. They're not haphazard in their warfare against you. There's actual strategies. They watch, they observe, they know how you are, and they fight you according to what they believe will bring you down the quickest and the most lasting way. That's just the way the demonic realm works. They're not like us. The church is just kind of like winging it. (laughs) That's really sad. But the demonic realm is like, oh, no, no, we're going to set up strategies. And when you get strategic, like Nehemiah was, that's when the enemy says, we can't let this happen. So in this case, you've got, you've got Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem. You've got these guys that are coming in and they're saying, hey, Nehemiah, Nehemiah we'd, we'd like to have a discussion with you. We recognize you're a leader there in Israel. We see what you're doing. We're leaders too. You know, we're, we're among the Arab people. We just like to have a normal powwow with you, a little discussion about what you're intending to do. And Nehemiah is like, I read right through that. I saw in a heartbeat. I've got sharpened discernment. The Lord of heaven, God Almighty, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he showed me right away that that invitation was nothing but a plan to undermine me, maybe even to kill me. They intended to do him harm. So I like Nehemiah's answer, and this is the answer I want to give you. I'm really not going to go much further than this because this is what I'm, I'm really calling you guys that are, are listening today. I'm calling you to find your own way of saying what Nehemiah is about to say and living it out. This is how Nehemiah said it. Matter of fact, he didn't even go to them face to face. He sent a messenger to deliver what he was going to say. And this is what he said. He said, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. And then he asked him a question. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? I want you to pay attention to this answer. When you have been given an assignment, when you have a calling, when you're carrying a burden, when the vision of God is uh, kind of merging with the season to get her done, you have to be relentlessly focused. You have to be unapologetically committed. And you have to develop your own way of saying to those things that want to knock you off your mark, those things that want to undermine your industriousness to do what God has called you to do. You have to be able to say, I'm not going to pay attention to you. I'm certainly not going to stop what I've called, been called by God to do and come down there and explain it to you. I'm not going to leave off from what I know to be true from God in order to debate with you what you think might be true. I'm going to finish the work. And notice how he says, he goes, I ain't coming down to your level. That's my paraphrase. He said, why should I come down to you? Why should I stop the work and come down to your level? Nehemiah was going up. He's building the heights of the wall along with all of the people that were working with him. 
And he says, for me to stop what I've been called of God to do would be to come down off something high, elevated and great. And to come down to your level there in the dust where you can't see what I see from the elevated place that God's given me. I dare you, my friends, to get that holy boldness back in you. You don't got to be obnoxious with it. But when you know that somebody's trying to knock you off your mark, and man, you better have discernment because sometimes it comes in the form of a sweet, caring, and concern. We're just concerned about you. We're just concerned about what we're seeing. We just think it's a little radical. We just think it's a, uh, it's a little fringe. We'd like a little more mellow version of you and what you're doing. And, you know, you're a little too intense and that's not really going to serve our desires well. And Nehemiah said, yeah, you're just going to have to stay down there in the dust because if you were up here with me getting involved in what I'm called to do, you wouldn't even think about putting a halt to this thing. So how do we apply this kind of thing? By the way, they, they, they kept doing this. They didn't just take Nehemiah's original answer when he said, no, I'm not coming down. The next verse says they sent to him this way. They kept coming back four more times. So it wasn't just the initial hey, we don't like what you're doing. Let's talk about this. And Nehemiah says, no. Wouldn't that be awesome if you just made a stand one time and your opposition said, wow, okay, they're committed. I guess we'll leave. That's not the way it works. Like the enemy likes to wear out the saints. I call it death by paper cut. Moses experienced it. You know, Moses is just called by God to get the people out of Egypt into the promised land. You know why it took 40 years? Because of doubt and complaining. Welcome to the world of spiritual leadership. Not everybody that is freed from Egypt is delivered inwardly, so to speak. And there was a ton of Egypt still stuck in all those Hebrews that had crossed the Red Sea. They had a bunch of Egypt in them to the extent they wanted to go back to it. And so they complained and they complained and complained. And Moses just like, oh God, kill me. Did you know he asked God to kill him because the people just kept complaining? Well, sometimes in your life, the very people you're going to serve will be the ones that are acting like Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. They're going to be the very ones that will call you to come down off of what God has told you to go up in. That's one of the dangers of leadership. If you're a people pleaser, good night alive. Ask Jesus to deliver you from that. We live in a day, man, that's diabolical. We live in a day where if you don't do what people want you to do, it can't be that you just disagree with them. They view you as an enemy. And sometimes the opposition to your calling, to your dream, to your vision, to your assignment will come from amongst the very people that are to be benefiting from what God has called you to do. And you're going to have to find your own version of, hey, I hear what you're wanting. I'm not coming down off this wall. I'm not coming away from my assignment. I'm not going to um, contour my calling from God in order for it to be comfortable to you. And then they come back a second time. And then they come back a third time. And then they come back a fourth time. You got to get some grit, my friend. You, gotta, you need grace and gristle. <laughs> you need both. You got to be kind to a certain extent. You know, there does come a time when your enemy turns it up a notch Um you don't have to be sweet all the time, but you got to get some backbone in you. You got to get some fiber. You got to get some gristle in you. And Nehemiah had it. So I don't know what you're going to do with this today, but I want to encourage some of you that 
You can't make everybody happy. And if you are a people pleaser, then you need to crucify that. Because ultimately, people pleasers will come down from the thing that God has told them to do. It's what Saul did, King Saul in the Old Testament. Could have been a great king, but he always cared about what the people think. To a certain extent, you should care what people think about you, but you should never be controlled by it. As much as my life is a testimony unto Jesus, I do care what people think about me, but I will never be controlled by what people think about me because I can't be faithful to God if I'm controlled by people's opinions. And so I want to empower some of you to escape the nagging accusation when you hold to your guns, you stick to your guns and you say, no, I'm just going to be who God's told me to be. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm not going to wait for permission. I'm not going to expect everybody to like it. There's going to be probably a sign ballot to buy. I can guess them in my life and they're going to keep coming at me. It may be a different person every time, but the spirit that resists the work of God typically tries to get you to come down off of what you're doing. And when you get distracted when you get discouraged, when you enter into debate with people about what it is that you're called to do and they want to put their spin on your calling, no is the answer. And they don't have to like it. And I'll say it. I'm just going to balance it out a little bit. You've got to figure out how to do it in a way that honors Christ when you say no to their unreasonable demands. There is a way to do this and it still honor the Lord. But I guarantee you, if you are bowing to the pressure of always being sweet and accommodating and nice and perky and helpful and sympathetic and understanding, that man, if you are living for that kind of reputation, you will never complete anything significant for the Lord because you won't be able to withstand these types of oppositions. So you got to figure out, how do I do this in a way that honors the Lord, but how do I do it in a way that leaves zero doubt that I'm not coming down off of what God has called me to do in order to appease people who aren't comfortable with what I'm building for the Lord. Chew on that bad boy for a little bit. Read the book of Nehemiah, and if you're you know really interested, I'll be preaching through um, at least six messages on Nehemiah uh, beginning, I don't know, probably August 20th, excuse me. Yeah. August 20th, um, August 20th, I'll start preaching, uh, here at Antioch outpost on Sundays. You can always find these messages on transformingtruth.org, The video messages. I just tell people get the free transforming truth app. If you're interested in, um, you know, official messages, sermons that I preach or, um, I do 30-minute thing called Truth Shots. We broadcast these on TV, but we also put them on our YouTube channel. We put them on the app. And um, those things are 100% accessible to you. So if you want to journey through the book of Nehemiah with me, get the free Transforming Truth app. Or you can go to transformingtruth.org and find the links to our YouTube channel there. Or just go to YouTube and look for Jeff Lyle or Transforming Truth. Um, we, you know, My goal is always this. This is my calling. This is why I don't come down off my wall. I'm not called to do everything that a lot of people are called to do. I don't have like 50 gifts. Um, I'm called to exhort, to lead, to teach, to preach, and to build. That's what I'm called to do. It's not glamorous, but I'm called to do it, so I stick to it. So when I'm telling you, hey, if, if you think that'll benefit from you, I'm just saying I've already built the wall. If you want to get in it, 
get on the other side of it. I've already done what I'm supposed to do, and we continue to do it. Take advantage of these resources. You got to feed your spirit. And if this is a day, I've never lived in a day more so than this one, that I undeniably see the need for people. You better get the word of God on you. You better get on your face. You better make up your mind about who you really are now because the heat is coming. And when things flip and we're going to see a succession of things flipping, we're going to be shocked at what happens in the culture. And it's going to be bam, 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 bam. And before you know it, things are going to look very, very different for Christians than they do right now. And I'm telling you right now, this is a season you need to be making up your mind and galvanizing your spirit around who you are and what you're supposed to do. Because if and when the bombs are going off, spiritually speaking, when the flames are coming, spiritually speaking, when the heat is turned up and persecution hits and opposition uh, comes hard after you, you won't, you won't have what you need in that moment to make up your mind. You need to make up your mind now. So join me in this journey through Nehemiah. Keep tuning in to Mavericks and Misfits. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Have you picked up a copy of Jeff's book, Figuring It Out As I Go? His life story of abandonment as a child, an embrace of the occult and addiction as a teenager, and a nearly deadly battle with depression and rage as a young adult serves as an intense backdrop to Jeff's supernatural conversion at the age of 24. From there, Jeff writes of powerful seasons of deliverance, healing, and breakthrough, which were followed by tragedy, betrayal, and deep challenges, which only God could turn around. If you want to hear a powerful account of the triumph of God's grace and Jeff's surprising journey into the mysteries of the Holy Spirit, pick up a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at jefflyle.com or wherever else you buy books. You can also download a copy of Jeff narrating Figuring Out As I Go on audible.com.